We're in this amazing series called Acts, and I love the book of Acts because it, was a, it started with a 12 guys who quickly became 120, and then the Bible tells us every chapter that, that God added to their number every single day, and at some point it became 3,000, and it just took off from there. And what they left for us was a model of how church was started, but not only for a model for us as well as to how we might want to do things at church. So as we take on this series this morning, Pastor David is going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how they were in the upper room and it was like as if tongues of fire came down upon them as they were praying. And then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and gifts that that gives us. So for that, why don't you guys take a look at this video? John, wake up, all of you. Mm. Wait. Come. What are we doing? We're praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. always cool when you can find some live video back then. <laughs> so Acts, in the Bible, that moment is Acts 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 2, and it says this, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What I want to explore with you this morning is this phrase right here, as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit sometimes can be the, the forgotten part of the Trinity. Most people know God. Most people know Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit seems like this abstract thought when we are told throughout the Bible that it's a person. In fact, you can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when it says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We find that the Holy Spirit was there from the very beginning. 
In the Hebrew, it's the name for the Holy Spirit is Ruach, which is a powerful, strong word, Ruach. I won't make you say it, but I like saying it a lot. It's said wind or a current of air or a blast of breath. That's how it's described, a blast of breath. The Greek word for this is pneuma, a wind, a current of air, or a blast of breath. So it's described with these words that always are very uh, big and powerful. In the Old Testament, whenever you saw the Holy Spirit, you would see it enter someone, do something, and then leave. In the New Testament, we see that it enters the world and then never leaves again. In fact, it says it will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, in Leviticus, you see all these feasts that are happening. Uh, What's happening is they want to remember the good things that God did. So throughout the book of Leviticus, you see these feasts. And one of them was called the Feast of Pentecost. And what they were remembering was the time that Moses came down with the law. And so they wanted to remember this incredible moment because what the moment was is the law allowed them to show their faithfulness and love to God. They were excited because they finally had this opportunity to show love. Now, what we find throughout history is the Pharisees take that to like the thousandth degree, and it became this works-based faith where everything was all about the law instead of the original intent was to show a faithfulness and love to God. The other interesting thing about the Feast of Pentecost is that word Pentecost meant 50th. So they would celebrate the Feast of Pentecost 50 days after the Passover, So when the New Testament comes and we have Jesus Christ, he wants to completely rebrand Feast of Pentecost. He's going to rebrand it because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes the concept of showing love and faithfulness. Now with Jesus rising from the dead, that's not about the law. You could still do the law, but it's not a works-based faith. It's about knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So he rebrands it by when he rises from the dead, he then walks for 40 days, does miracles, shows all kinds of like marching orders of this is what you're going to do next. And then after 40 days, he leaves, but he still doesn't send the Holy Spirit yet. The disciples go to the upper room and they begin to pray. And we talked about this, how they prayed and prayed and prayed because they were waiting on God for the next step. One day goes by, two days go by, and as you know, at this point, 10 days go by. And I don't know if they knew. I mean, I I really think they didn't. They just were faithful in the moment. But it was an exact 50 days when God rebrands what Feast of Pentecost is going to be, and it's going to be the falling of the Holy Spirit that never leaves again. It's such a cool moment. It's kind of an MO of who God is. It's always in the moment, the right moment moment. His timing is perfect. We see it in our lives today, but he also does it all over the Bible, just the right timing of something to happen. So the Feast of Pentecost was now going to be known as the moment the Holy Spirit came into the world. And when you celebrate it, you're not celebrating the law, you're celebrating who Jesus Christ is and the Holy Spirit now dwelling within us. I don't know if you know my story. I have said it before here But my first experience with the Holy Spirit, I was in a a high school service my senior year near graduation. I'm sitting in the last row, closest to the door, kind of my MO was just get in, get out. 
And out of the blue, I don't know why, but the pastor calls me out and he says, David Hopper, you are going to be an incredible leader. And I'm like, I have no idea what this sermon was about, but I like this part. And so he kept going. He said, I just, I see him as a leader in this group. I hope he becomes an intern and helps and be as, as a part of the high school group. And I'm like, there was this just feeling, this, this rush over me. And, you know, maybe part of it was he was talking about me, which always makes us feel good, right? But there was something in me that said, that's right. What he's saying, I need to lean into. And so I did. I went up to him. I said, okay, um, I don't know what that means. And he goes, well, how about you lead a basketball, just guys playing basketball on Saturday mornings? I go, sure. And I did that for about six months. And after six months, he asked me to do something else. And I go, okay. And I kind of have leaned into that each time when God calls me to something, just saying, okay, if that, it feels right to just continue to say yes. Even here with you guys today, just leaning into this moment and saying yes to it. A few weeks ago, when I was in Siberia, it's not a joke, really was there, I was in this um, recovery, men's recovery home. And you're not supposed to talk about God, and yet the pastor there kept asking me to talk about God. And so I'm in the room again, and it's a group of recovering alcoholics, and he says, Pastor, will you give a word? And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I don't know how, well, I do know how, the Holy Spirit, but in that moment, I just said, okay, we're going to do the entire story of Ruth. And I must have talked for an hour. It was amazing. They were all just crying and so into it. I'm just kidding. It didn't quite go that way. But I told the story of how Ruth got second chances as she was faithful to God and kept continually being used by God or, or being met by God when she was saying yes to God. And it was about second chances, and it just worked for that moment. And after it was over, I kind of thought about it. God, thank you. Thank you again how you moved in this, this Holy Spirit moment as I leaned into this gifting, this way that you've been talking to me my whole life and just leaning into what is next, you have always moved. And I'm just so thankful for that because I have found he speaks in my spiritual gift. As I was telling this story to my wife, she says, you know, I don't really feel the Holy Spirit like that. Actually, the way I feel the Holy Spirit is whenever I'm playing the piano, it's almost like God is speaking through the sounds and the notes of my playing. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing, because I never feel that. <laughs> no, not when I'm hitting any sort of instrument of any kind. And I just thought, well, that, that makes sense, because the, what, I'm, what I've seen from the Holy Spirit is it speaks through how he uniquely designed you how he uniquely uses you through your spiritual gifts. The more you know your spiritual gift, the more you're using your spiritual gift, the more you're sensing and feeling and hearing this third part of the Trinity that sometimes we think we don't know, but he's right there saying, I'm here, and I'm speaking through my design of you. In your notes, if you pull them out, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this Holy Spirit within you. And if you're on the row, there's a basket of pens. Pass those to your row so you can mark some of these points down. Number one, this first point in your notes is that the Holy Spirit is a person. We like to 
sort of think of them as this abstract thought, and it is described as a wind, so it's easy to go there. But when you actually see him in Scripture, uh, it's a person. In Ephesians 4.30, it talks about how grieving the Holy Spirit, that the whole verses are about grieving the Holy Spirit. You don't have grief if you're an abstract thought. People grieve over something. In this particular section of Scripture, what he's grieving is whenever we're talking bad about someone. It goes on, it talks about how every time that you have bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and any form of malice, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. That thing that's always around you and that thing that's inside of you hears you. It sees you. It knows when you are treating someone in that manner. And so it goes on in those verses and says, be kind and compassionate and forgiving just as God forgave you. That's a, that's a real person that would grieve for something like that. In the story in Acts 5 of Ananias and Sapphira, we're going to talk about it in a few weeks. Strange story. One of the lines in it, it says, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Well, you don't lie to abstract thoughts. That wouldn't even make sense. You lie to a person. And in this particular section of Scripture, when they lie to the Holy Spirit about what they really had to give, it costs them their lives. We'll unpack that later on as we get to that story because it's, it's odd. But you see that the Holy Spirit was a real thing that had consequences when they lied to it. This Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, has a key role in our lives, just as God did and does, just as Jesus Christ the Son does. The Holy Spirit has a key role that's working in you right now. Uh, the question is, what is that? What's the role? What does it do? Luckily, the Bible answers this. Romans 8.26 says it like this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with, catch this, the will of God. There are a lot of verses about the Holy Spirit. They all come back to the same idea. It's point two in your notes. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And this isn't always like bad stuff, by the way. It can be good and bad. A few years ago, my wife and I, we had several job opportunities in front of us. Some were in different states, different cities. And we're looking at them going, I don't even, I don't even know which one to pray for. They all look like doors, and they look fine. But we have no idea what's beyond the door. We don't know what, we don't know. Have you ever been there where I don't even know how to pray for this because if you do this, okay. If you do this, okay. That's where these scriptures a lot of times speak to the idea of just pray for the will of God. Because it's interceding for you and it can see out ahead of you. The funny thing about that story with my wife and I is the one that we end up feeling like God was leading us to, it was terrible. <laughs> the whole, it was like the worst job we've ever had. I mean, I... I won't even go there because this could be filmed. I don't know. Someone will be talking about it. But it was awful. But that very short time period actually led us to this place and led us to a completely different future that's been amazing. And I think that's part of it. When you're praying for the will of God, you have to lean into that sometimes God needs to take you to a place 
or through a difficult time because it's got, it's got a jumping point to where he wants you to be. And that's hard for us because we're always just praying for the, the best thing to happen when we need to be praying for God's best to happen. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. It's there speaking to you and reminding you of Scripture, reminding you of His Word, reminding you of who He is. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. You're getting to know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people. What we're told over and over is this Holy Spirit is reminding you of Scripture it's reminding you of who he is. It's moving as you believe and respond to his word. And it reminds you of the promises that he has given to you. But you have to trust it. You can still push against it. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. You can still fight it. You can absolutely fight it, and, and many, a lot of people do. They have this sensing of what they should be moving into. They have this sensing from God, and we still fight against it. You have that right. It's called the freedom of choice. But if you lean into it, God will teach you exactly who he is, who you are, and the passion and the purpose that he's developed you with. Point three in your notes speaks to this. The Holy Spirit is action. I mean, his name's associated with wind, right? An action. There's not a such thing as a wind that's sitting still. I don't think that's called wind. I think wind is literally the moving part of air. So his whole name means action. And the same is true in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Imagine if I, I gave you a gift, all right, I take, take this up to you, and I said, this is for you. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's going sh to share a little bit about who I am in your life, but it's also going to really, really help you. And you're like, oh, thank you. And then you just walked around with it. Like the guy walked around with it for the next year. You're all, hey, you're supposed to open the gift. I, I don't understand what you're doing. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to help me. I love it. Sweet. I mean, how weird is that guy, right? We'd all be like, what is he doing? I gave him a gift. I said it's a, it's a part of who I am, but it's also going to help them in their life. And they've been walking around with it for like 10 years. That guy's a moron, right? And yet what the Bible says is that he's given us these gifts that will supernaturally be part of our lives that I will speak to you through the gift, you'll know me through the gift, and we don't open it. Are, are we morons? Is that too strong? That would be so weird, but listen, listen to the way the Bible describes them. Romans 12, 
we could go several places, and we really need to do all of it, but we'll just talk about a few pieces here. Romans 12 says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm halfway through verse 1. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Living sacrifice. What is that? A, a sacrifice that's living. We have to do something that's sacrificial. It's why fasting is such a big deal. Like when you fast, you're literally becoming a living sacrifice. You're sacrificing something with your body, which is why a lot of times you hear God move and speak when you're fasting. The same happens when you're serving. When Alec and Jimmy were up here, they were literally showing you what a living sacrifice looks like in our world. They sacrifice time and money to go do something and I mean, that's the example. We can do it all over the place, helping someone in your neighborhood, befriending a coworker, someone at school who's alone, that you go and, and just be a part of their life. You sacrificed your time, your coolness in some way, and went to be with them. Uh, giving's an obvious one. Giving and tithing, obviously sacrificing something, but you're literally showing a living sacrifice, and a lot of times God will speak through that gift. That's why we push it all the time. It does something. It goes on in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Catch this. When you're a living sacrifice, when you begin using your gifts, you're going to be able to test and approve that God's will is happening in your life. You're going to actually sense it and see it. Jump to verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace that's given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's, if it's faith, then <laughs> do faith. I'm, all, I'm not even on the screen. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraged, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There's so many gifts, and you have them in your life. Do it. Verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless don't curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Later on it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give you something to drink. On and on. We could go to Ephesians 4. We could go to 1 Corinthians 12. These gifts are talked about a lot. And many people are just walking with it like this, totally missing that you have to open it, and it's an action. You're going to sense it, feel it, and know it in your actions forward. I asked them to give you guys a spiritual gift test as you walked in. Go ahead and pull that out. I really, really believe in this, so I want you to move forward. In fact, if you start taking this test and you don't hear the rest of my sermon, you're probably better off. So do that. This is a big deal. And if you're more digital, in your uh, bulletin, we just put where the link is. You can do it on your phone or something like that if that's, if that's more your nature. But knowing your gifts, this is one way to do it. You could just study gifts and figure out which ones are yours. But I have found these tests to be super helpful. So I want you to do it and to know some of your strengths. Now, a couple warnings. This is not about natural talent. I can't tell you how many people I meet with who when I ask them about their spiritual gifts, 
rattle off some talents they have. That's, that's not the same thing. They will superpower, like supernaturally do things with your talents, but talents are things you've either grown or there's that rare case you're just born with a natural ability of some kind. Um, the other thing is, it's not about spirituality. Spirituality is something you can measure. In Galatians 5, we see this idea of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we can literally could be called fruit inspectors because Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 16, by their fruit you will know them. If you want to judge spirituality, I wouldn't suggest it, but if you wanted to judge someone's spirituality, you would do it by fruit, the fruit they show with their life. That's different. Spiritual gifts were designed in you to make you unique and to give you a special purpose in this world and to have a relationship with God. It's very different from what fruit's just going to naturally come out. Having said that, they do blend a lot. Now, the third part of this that you need to know is spiritual gifts are honed through actions. You could do that test, figure out what your spiritual gifts are, and then just sit on it, and it would do nothing in your life. Uh, you have to move forward in an action step of some kind before you're going to sense and feel and see because the Spirit's a moving thing. It's described with wind. So I so believe in this that I want to give you some accountability. You have until today or tomorrow to fill out this test. It will be judged. We'll follow, uh, Carlos and Brad, I will have them chase you down if you do not turn this in. You have to email it to me. Uh, my email is in the bulletin, davidh at kennyhillsfriends.org. I expect to get an email seeing your top three gifts. That's your accountability before Wednesday. Otherwise, it does drop a grade. <laughs> it's a big deal. And I will respond. If you all do it this afternoon, I may not respond right away, but I will respond to each and every one of these because I do believe in it. Finally, the Holy Spirit's right now. It's the final point in your notes. When you do this, it's immediate. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. There's no one left out. You're, it, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is immediately. It's already built in. You just have to connect to it. In fact, what's interesting is even if you're not connected to it, it's calling you to it. We see in John 6, it says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up in the last days. Point is, you happen to be here today and you're sensing, feeling like that's right. Well, that comes only from the Holy Spirit drawing you into it. So when you do accept that, it's immediate. But even if you don't accept it, you're going to feel something drawing you towards it. Now, I think this relationship with Christ is a complete journey till the very end, that you have to continue to say yes, yes, yes. You have choices all along the way. But that first yes is when you say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That first yes is answering that draw of your feeling of that's right. So if you're here today and you haven't said that first yes, I want to give you that opportunity every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you're feeling that draw, that that's right moment, and you want to say yes, 
I'm not going to pull you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to, to say yes. Raise your hand and say yes. That's me. I, I need this. I want this. I want this Holy Spirit in my life. Anyone else? Yes. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. It continues in Romans 6.23 and says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been given the gift. And Romans 10.9 says, If you declare it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when you say yes, you can call on the promise of Romans 10.9 that you will be saved. Know that this morning. There is victory when you raise your hand and you take that first step forward. God, I pray for those that did that this morning. Bless them. Let them feel you, Lord. And may we all connect to this Holy Spirit that is moving in our spiritual gifts on a daily basis.